As we look at the third chapter of Habakkuk, I want to have a reflection together with that on the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 52, question and answer 127, related to the Lord's Prayer as we looked at that this morning, the first part of that. And I want to read through that again just so that we have that before us. The question that is asked is, what is the sixth petition? The answer is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in our weakness, in ourselves, we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our own sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. And then I'll be focusing on this paragraph in this message. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but also always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we have been looking at this topic of life's difficult questions, perhaps after the message from this morning, some of us have had an opportunity to reflect on even more deeply some of what questions have bothered us over time. And that's okay, because we need to be looking at these things, but always from a perspective that God gives to us in the Scriptures. And perhaps no place in the Scriptures is this more clear than here in Habakkuk. And I might also add that in Job, there are some similar refrains and similar uh, teachings that are brought forth with regards to this whole area of life's difficult questions. As we looked at this this morning, we looked at some of the questions that Habakkuk asked. And I'm just going to review that very quickly with you. The first question he asked was, O Lord, how long shall I cry? Verse 2, chapter 1. And you will not hear, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? What is this thing about evil, says Habakkuk? God responds, look, verse 5, among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. And then he begins to talk about the Babylonians, that nation that he has sent against God's people. Habakkuk asking for a clarification on the matter. In verse 13, Chapter 1, you are pure of eyes then to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he? God responds in verse 2, then the Lord answered me, of chapter 2, verse 2, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who run, may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. 
and the heart of the answer, but the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk now receiving the answer to his questions has an opportunity to reflect on those very answers. We don't know too much about Habakkuk as a, as a person. We know that he was a prophet. Chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Both reflect on the, on the fact that Habakkuk identifies himself as being a prophet of the Lord. We do also know that it's not just, in this case, a normal prophecy that he writes here. It's one in which he is stressing himself, uh, addressing himself to a situation that, that the people of Israel are living in with the captivity that is nigh upon them. We also know that Habakkuk is either a Levite or a part of the worshiping community, a leader, and perhaps a musical leader in that because the conclusion to chapter 3, if you read there, it will say that he, this is written to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. So we do know that Habakkuk was involved intimately with the worship of God in the situation that they are involved in as we see that unfolding. You also need to see that in chapter 3 now, Habakkuk, as he is inspired by God's Holy Spirit, this is not just something that he just says, wow, this is very interesting, and just comes out with a song. He is inspired by God's Holy Spirit, as the entire Scriptures are, to respond on behalf of God's people with this chapter 3, which is, Shall we call it a song or a poem, a hymn that was used in liturgical situations? No doubt it was often repeated and the refrains got to be known by God's people. And as they were going through difficult times, I have no doubt that this particular passage was often read. In fact, probably all of Habakkuk during the difficult times. During the discovery, at the time of the discovery in 1945-ish and into the 50s and 60s actually, of the Dead Sea Scrolls, one of the documents that was discovered, in addition to some of the manuscripts of the scriptures older than what had until then been available to us, one of the documents was a commentary on chapters 1 and 2 of the prophecy of Habakkuk. If a commentary was written and preserved in this way, it stands to reason that it was used, the prophecy of Habakkuk was used regularly by God's people. They were familiar with the prophecy. Sometimes when I talk to people about some of the prophecies of scriptures, the prophets, the minor prophets especially, I will ask them, How, when's the last time you read through it or heard a sermon on it? And sometimes they're not the most popular topics for preaching on, but what I goldmine of comfort is found especially here in the prophecy of Habakkuk. This is a shigyanoth, and I'm not even going to pretend to tell you exactly what that is because, quite frankly, in spite of the fact that I'm a professor of Old Testament, I don't know exactly what that term is. And we see this, we do know that it's, a again, a temple term or something used in, in liturgy and so on. We don't really know exactly what that term refers 
two or that it's a musical term or a liturgical term. It doesn't really matter. What we do know is that this chapter, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, reflects how you and I as God's people now then are called upon to respond to what we heard this morning, that the just shall live by faith. We will get the answer to the questions in God's timing here on earth or when we get to heaven. And we need to rest assured in that, knowing that we can fully trust the one who does have all of those answers. In verse 1 and 2 of Habakkuk's response then, we have Habakkuk reflecting in a sense on wondering how it is possible that it seems that the punishment that God is providing for his people is even worse than the original sin. And God is using a very difficult disciplinary action to teach his people a lesson to depend on him. They have far since been looking at the idols and the teachings of those who were in the communities in which they were living who were not of God's people, and they were slowly but surely being overwhelmed and taken in by that. Isn't that something that happens in our culture? How quickly we have a tendency to assimilate ourselves to our culture rather than making sure that the culture in which we live assimilates itself to God's Word. Are you listening to that? Because we are so easily influenced by the media, by TV, by radio, by many different influences in our lives to simply go with the flow, as it were. Habakkuk said, enough is enough. God had said, enough is enough, and he uses this means, and Habakkuk recognizes that at the backdrop to this, even as he talks in verses 1 and 2 about what is, and reflects on what is happening specifically in this situation. Habakkuk knows that only divine intervention can really resolve the situation that his people are going through at this time. He is aware of the eternal security of God's people in these verses. Eternal security because of what God provides for them. And it's almost as if when he comes into this song of praise as he's responding in joy and thanksgiving to God for his faithful response to the questions that Habakkuk has been asking, it's almost as if Habakkuk were saying in this hymn, when circumstances look bad, trust in God, hit the rejoice button and turn up the volume because God is at work in our lives. Through the blessed circumstances that we go through and sometimes especially through the trying and challenging circumstances that we go through in our lives. And we are called upon to receive and accept the discipline that God gives to us in general as God's people in our world today and in the specific sins that we commit before our God as well. Think this through when we try to sort out what God is saying. I'm going to 
add just one more passage of Scripture that helps us to keep the background, the bigger picture, if you will, to what's going on. Isaiah chapter 46 reflects on some of these same things. And in Isaiah chapter 46, God's Spirit speaks to Isaiah when he says the following, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all with my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country, indeed I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now when we look at those verses, then we look at verses 12 and 13 and we look at the focus of this. Listen to me, he says, you stubborn-hearted. Is that you and me? Yes, it is. Who are far from righteousness. By human nature, we are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near. It shall not be far off. My salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Will you note that here in the prophecy of Habakkuk are not what we might have today as 10 steps to a happy, fruitful life. We have a picture of God saying salvation is at stake. And salvation is at the very heart and core of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ from Genesis chapter 1 to the last book in Revelation. The last verse is there. We are seeing here a movement that God is saying to, I will bring salvation. This is my plan for salvation that is at stake and that I will demonstrate that Satan, as much as he tries to stop that plan time and time and time again throughout the scriptures, throughout the history of the Christian church, throughout our own lives, Satan continues to try to put an end to the plan of salvation in our lives. But does it work? No. Nothing can stop the plan of salvation. The focus is not necessarily just on the circumstances and what's happening in God's people and what are the ten easy steps to go over, get over this thing. The focus is on Jesus Christ who is to come, our salvation. We'll see that as we develop this throughout this chapter, too. But as we look at the catechism and the trying, how Satan tries to put a wrench into our own activities in life, we look at the second paragraph, and I want to, see, I want to help you to see in how this is put together, this paragraph, because the whole paragraph rests on that first two lines there. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us? That's what that second paragraph is all about. Will you uphold and strengthen us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Has everything to do with God upholding and strengthening us. How? By the power of your Holy Spirit. Why? So that in this spiritual warfare we may not go down to defeat. Positively, how? But we may always resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory. I want to break that down one by one as we walk our way through this chapter and correlate it to this particular paragraph in the Catechism. Uphold us and make us strong. Only God 
can do that. And we need to be reminded of that time and time again. If we look at verses 3 to 7 and we see the presence of God in our lives, in the lives of God's people, His presence is there in spite of the evil that's around us. We look at our world today and we see and acknowledge that things are going from bad to worse. But God says in spite of that, I am present and I have everything in complete control. And when in verses 3 to 7, Habakkuk reflects on that, he uses I terminology that remind us of God's presence in the history. He's now going back and saying, if you really want to understand how God is working in your lives, go back. Look back over the history and see what God has done. And he brings up things like in verse 5, he talks about the plagues and the pestilence. As a matter of fact, in verse 4, he's talking about the flashing of the lights and so on. It's, the, it's a reminder of the giving of the law. And then in verse 5, the plagues and the pestilence that were a part of that, reminding us as to how God worked in the time of the crossing of the Red Sea just prior to that, the ten plagues that were there, and how God showed his power over Pharaoh and his host by delivering his people, salvation, through the Red Sea. And then we see in verse 6, that God is reflected as being a part of those earthquakes where the earth opens and swallows up his people in punishment. Remember how with the rebellion of Korah in uh, Numbers uh, chapter 16, we find that story of how God's people were rebelling against the leaders of that time and God simply opened up the earth and swallowed them up. Do we not see here how God is in control even of the laws of nature? The sun standing still, Joshua as well, and the earth opening up, the plagues that took place. God is the one who created the laws of nature, and he can suspend any one of those laws at any time. That's called a miracle. And God uses his power over nature in a way that demonstrates who he is in general revelation, if you will, by overcoming the powers of nature. Habakkuk is reflecting on this in his song of response and saying, you really are an awesome, powerful, majestic, sovereign God. And I praise you for that. And we see that taking place as Habakkuk reflects on that. His focus is on God, as does our catechism. When will you therefore uphold and strengthen us? How? Not by our own power. Not by the power of the doctors. Is there something wrong with going to the doctor? Of course not. God uses that. But we need to recognize that God is the one who's behind that. We need to pray for God to use the doctors and medical advances for our benefit. Yes. But ultimately, everything is in God's, holy hand, God's hand. By the power of your Holy Spirit. That's the only way that we can grasp what is going on in our own lives. We look at this and then begin to understand slowly what is taking place here, especially as we look at verses 8 through 12, where God now is reflecting on judgment over evil. Habakkuk is saying, I now know that you are the judge even over evil. 
Yes, as I mentioned this morning, you are using evil to overcome evil, but then you trump that evil and destroy it too. Babylon being used to punish his people is going to be overthrown as nations and nations and nations after that continue to do. Any nation that tries to stand on its own two feet using human reason and wants and desires will fall. Any nation, Canada, the U.S., any member of the United Nations, any European country, any nation around the world faces that threat. No nation is a power nation unless they will acknowledge what God is doing and follow what he wants. Even the people of Israel experience the tattering remains of, of their nation, God's nation, being carried off into captivity. And as I mentioned this morning, uh, this takes place about 20 years before the final captivity, but we see this taking place as, as during the last years, those last 20 years, the house of Josiah is, is the one in his generation that follows, are the ones that are living through this time. And no doubt Habakkuk has experienced much of those kings during the time that he is prophesying in Israel. Josiah was a man after God's heart, providing many reforms. But who were the last of the kings that reigned in Judah after Josiah? They were his three sons and his grandson. First of all, there was Jehoiakim, uh, I'm sorry, Jehoahaz. He only lasted three months. Then there was Jehoiakim with an M note, another son. He reigned for 11 years. Then there was Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim's son, three months, was the extent of his reign and carried into captivity. And then there was Zedekiah, a third son now of Josiah, who was the last of the kings of Judah, and under whom the final straw is cast, final dice is cast, if you will, by the Babylonians to say, that's it, now you're all coming home with me. But who's throwing that dice? <laughs> you see, it's not the Babylonians. Oh, they're being used. It is God who is in control of the situation. No dice allowed. The Babylonians think that they have got all of the power and look at what we're doing, but it is God saying, okay, now it's time for you to take them into captivity so they can learn their lesson and I will draw them back. The promise is there to draw them back. The promise is there that he will not forget who they are. And that's a reminder that Habakkuk comes to an acknowledgement of as he reflects on the marvelous story of God's judgment over evil at that time and in the centuries to follow and in the millenniums to follow and as we are experiencing even today. Habakkuk asks, why is it that evil seems to prosper? God basically says, you know what? All in good time, eventually, the evildoers will be overcome and the righteous will be upheld. What a marvelous comfort that Habakkuk now expresses in this song of praise that he provides for us. We will not go down to defeat. Ah, seems to me the Catechism talks about that. Yes, it does. 
Will you then therefore uphold and strengthen us for what end? So that in this spiritual war, we may not go down to defeat. People of God, we are in the midst of a battle zone. We have been since Genesis chapter 3 with the sin that came into the world initiated by Satan himself. And that battle between God and Satan goes on. It's the story of the scriptures. The story of the scriptures is a story of the battle going on between good and evil in which we always see that the good representing God always comes out ahead. Till the end time in Revelation chapter 20 when the evil is going to be completely destroyed and Satan is thrown into the abyss. Habakkuk sees this in the answer that God gives to him. And he's singing about this in this particular hymn or psalm or poem that he writes. Listen to some of what's going on in this history of God's salvation that takes place in verses 13 through 15 when we see that clearly taking place. You went forth for the salvation of your people. There's that word salvation. For salvation with your anointed. Who is ultimately the anointed one? Jesus Christ. You struck the head from the house of the wicked. You overcame the evil one. You, by laying bare from foundation to neck, you thrust through with his own arrows the heads of his villages. Imagine that the enemy is being overthrown by their own people. Their own arrows turned upon them. That's how God does it. The enemy is nothing more than a puppet. Satan himself, especially, is the greatest of those puppets. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in the secret sea. In the secret, you walked through the sea with your horses through the heap of great waters. That verse 15, does that remind you of something? You walked through the sea with your horses through the heap of great waters. There's the deliverance, that salvation message, the deliverance through the Red Sea that Habakkuk is looking back on and saying, wow, I wish I'd seen that before I asked these questions, says Habakkuk. Now I understand it. Thank you for making that clear to me, God, for the answer that you have provided for me in that. We look at this and we know that we are called upon to resist the temptation that Satan provides for us to hoping to distract us and get us so discouraged because of the circumstances that we go through in life hoping that we will lose our faith and we look at this and we begin to see and to understand that Habakkuk understands and knows that we as the catechism are reminded of that we must not not only go down to defeat but we must always firmly resist our enemies. Resist our enemies. What enemies? Well, the catechism mentions three of them, right? The devil, earlier on, the world, and our own flesh. We looked at the woes in chapter 2 that are an identification of what the enemy is up to in our lives. 
greed and injustice and pride and violence and idolatry, five examples of the evil that's going on in our world that we need to resist. Remember that if we cave into these temptations, we will never begin to answer some of the tougher questions of life because our vision will be completely obscured. Because we are not seeing through the glasses that God has given to us in the scriptures. Rather, we are looking at the glasses that Satan hands to us. Look through the, uh, the glasses of greed. Become greedy. Become violent. Become unjust. Practice idolatry. Then you'll understand things. Lies, 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 you see. No wonder we can't sort out the questions of life. God says to us in this lesson on the Lord's Prayer when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he prays that we would not be led into temptation but be delivered from the evil one. And we can't do that by ourselves except for the power, the ultimate, supreme, sovereign power of God in our lives. Have you noticed how Habakkuk finishes up his hymn? There's an encouragement in and of itself as we look at these verses, verses 17, 18, 19. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive oil May, of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Bring this up to today. Though the combine break down in the first round of our harvest, when the planter doesn't seem to be getting the seed into the ground just the way it should, and we have to continue to adjust the planter so that it does its job and we get behind, when the rain comes on a Monday and the sun shines on a Sunday when we shouldn't be out in the fields and we can't get our crops in on time when the spring season drags on and is wet, or the winter season rather drags on and we can't get on in time, when all of this happens, how do we respond? Well, Habakkuk says, verse 18, yet, in spite of all of this, though the bottom may fall out, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high hills. Is Habakkuk suggesting that when we go through difficult times of our lives here in this hymn, is he suggesting that we should just simply ignore the circumstances and look only to Christ? That sounds wonderful, but that's not what Habakkuk is teaching. Habakkuk is teaching us that we will go through difficult circumstances in life, but we need to look through the circumstances to the face of Jesus Christ who holds our hand and walks us through those difficult moments in life. No ignoring the circumstances. Deal with them, but never by yourself, always with the, the focus of knowing that Jesus Christ, God himself, walks with us through these difficult circumstances, and then we can resolve what's happening in our lives 
as a part of that. Oh, if we could only take this to heart in those dark days of our lives. Habakkuk took that to heart, and he came out with a profound profession of faith. That's what this hymn is. We sang parts of this hymn in hymn number 14, five verses this morning and five verses this afternoon just prior to the message in both services. They are verses which reflect chapter 3 of Habakkuk, which is a hymn of a profession of faith. Amazing things you have done. Great is your faithfulness. We'll sing that in just a moment. And as we think this through, then we begin to understand that as we look at some of the different things that go on in our lives, we need to focus our attention on Jesus Christ. He, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, is the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what this is all about, isn't it? A shaken faith that is turned on its end and given to us as being a more profound and deep faith in Christ. There is a popular author, one that we are probably familiar with, Corrie ten Boom, who writes about this in the midst of persecutions. As she is in a concentration camp and writing notes and making notes about this, she no doubt is reflecting on Habakkuk, on Job, on some words from the Book of Lamentations when she reflects on this. And in one of her poems, she writes this, Look around in terms of the challenges and difficulties, look around and be depressed. Look within, I'm sorry, look around and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look to Christ and be at rest. That's what Habakkuk is teaching. Look around and look at all the circumstances and you will be distressed if you focus only on the circumstances that you are dealing with. You will be distressed. Look within yourself, try to find all of the answers as if you think that you've got all of the answers for yourself and you will be depressed. But look to Christ. Through the circumstances to the face of Christ, look to Christ and be at perfect rest in Him. As Habakkuk recognizes that, he concludes with that last verse of his hymn, and I'll conclude with that as well. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. To God be the glory for what he has done through his son Jesus Christ for us. Amen. Let's bow our head in prayer. Father, we are grateful for the message that you gave to Habakkuk, inspired by your spirit, intended for all of God's people through all time, including us today. Perhaps there are those here today who are going through a difficult time. We pray, Father, that this message from the prophecy of Habakkuk may be an encouragement to them to look to you, not necessarily to find all of the answers, but know that you have the answers and you are walking us with us through these circumstances. Perhaps there are others who know family members or friends who are going through difficult circumstances in their lives, asking tough questions. And we pray, Father, that this message may also be 
for us an encouragement to talk to them, to remind them that they need to look to you through to your son, Jesus Christ, for the source of the strength of the power that they may have so that they may indeed run like the feet of the deer as Habakkuk reflects on this. May we take this for ourselves and carry this through the week and the months and the years to come. And may we be encouraged by this message for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.